0: Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good. Well, today we're going to continue a series that, that we've been um, on for now four weeks. And if you've missed any of it, please go back, go to our Facebook page and uh, watch those messages. I'm telling you, this is stuff that you need to be watching and watching again and just stirring in your spirit and growing in your spirit. We want to create a place here where you guys can grow, a place where you guys can dream, you can be ministered to, you can grow up in your faith. And so the name of this, this uh, sermon series is Seeing is Believing. Everybody say, Seeing is Believing. Come on, one more time. Seeing is is believing. I remember when I was a kid. Um, I, I have a younger sister. Her name is Candy. She's three years younger than me. And uh, our dad, his name is Kelly, and he would go on a business trip about once a year. And he's a jeweler. He he carves jewelry out of wax. He's a, a designer. And and the the national uh, big event for jewelers is in Las Vegas, and so I remember my dad would go on a trip to Las Vegas once a year, and my sister and I, we were so excited when he would come home, and many of you have some type of memory like this, when your dad went away and he came home, and me and my sister would run up to the door, you know, mom would say, I see dad, he just pulled up, and we'd run to the door, daddy, daddy, we're so glad you're home, we're so glad you're home, and then what's the next thing that you always say, what'd you bring me, right, what'd you bring me dad? And my dad would say, Oh, son, candy. I listen. I love you guys. And I brought you myself. And we go, ah, <laughs> dad, come on. He's like, no, come on. It's me. And we're like, yeah. And we right before we were so excited to see him. Why? because he was going to give us something, we thought, you know, and now, you know, air is all left out of the cell, you know, and we're just like, man, and so my dad picks up his suitcase, and he'd go back to this room, and we'd done this song and dance before, we knew, there's something for us in that suitcase, and so we'd run in there, and dad would be opening up his suitcase, you know, and he'd be taking out his dirty drawers, and he'd be putting out his shirts, and all of a sudden, he'd go, you know what? You're just in luck because I did bring each of you a prize. And we go, yay, we love you, Dad. We love you so, so much. And like I said, many of you can relate to that story. I can relate to it now, not just when I was a kid, but as a father. I am going to be 41 this next month, and I've been married for 20 years. We have four beautiful children, and I have been the one where I've gone to speak at another church, and I've been gone for a couple days, and I come home, and I walk up to the door, and there my kids are at the door, and they're like, Dad, oh, Dad's here, Dad's here. And what they always say, what'd you bring me? And I would say, I brought you myself. And my kids would say, Father, you are more than enough for us. (laughs) Is that how you remember it? No, that's not what my kids said at all, Right? They didn't say, you're more than enough. Let us, Father, go and do worship and pray and read the Bible. No, that's not how it happened at the Kelts' house. They say, what'd you bring us? And it wasn't until I gave them their special prize that I got for them were they they happy. And I'll tell you this story this morning because we can all relate to this, but here's the thing. Early in our faith journey with God, Early on in our Christian walk, especially for brand new Christians, our relationship with God is a bit like that. Early on in your faith, you come to God and you pray and you say, Dear Heavenly Father, oh, you're so awesome and you're so amazing. And now that I said all that, let me get to what I really wanted to do. I want this and this and this. Can you do these things for me? Because what are you going to get? What do I get? out of this relationship and how do I get these things in fact when there's here's just a little tip for you guys if you want to make some money you can go write a best-selling book today if it's on how to get God to give you what you want And there's there's best-selling books that people consume and love all the time about how do I get my prayers answered? How do I get God to give me the things that I want? Because here's the thing, early on, guys, in our maturity, in our immaturity, in our relationship with God, many times what happens is we have an agenda. We have this this relationship that's not really a relationship. It, It might describe some of your marriages today. You may be in that place right now. I may describe some of your relationship with your kids right now, with your parents. You see, it is impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. And I'll put that up on the screen for you this morning. It is impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from from whom you're always trying to get something do you guys know what i'm talking about have you ever been in a relationship with somebody and you knew what they were talking it was just all fluff they were telling you things but they had an agenda you could read right through what they were saying because you knew they're going to build you up just a little bit but behind those comments and behind those things that they're trying to build you up with they're about to ask for something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? That's how sometimes our relationship with God, it boils down to. We we get to this place where with God, we just say, you know what, I, I will have a relationship with you, but it's what can I get out of this? That's the only reason that I'm in this relationship. And the cool thing is, and the amazing thing is that John who followed Jesus in the first century said that God gave us everything that we needed and everything that he wanted to give us all at once because of this. God gave us himself. The gospel writer John, we've been going through the book of John, and John tells us that God showed up. He gave us himself, and if that's not overwhelming to you today, then I'm glad that you're here because this is the message for you, Because when the idea that God showed up on this planet Earth, he really showed up. John says, I saw him. I walked with him. I saw these things. I experienced himself. When you see that, you see that because he cared so much, he showed up. When that idea goes from just this theological category in our heads now, and it translates into your heart, I'm telling you guys, it changes everything. It changes the entire relationship. It, it changes your entire perspective and the way that you go about living life. As we're gonna see when this happens, we will experience what Paul calls the peace that passes all comprehension. It's a peace you will experience that transcends, Paul says, all understanding. You see, when this goes from your head to your heart, the truth that God actually showed up and gave us everything already that we needed when he gave us himself, when that goes from your head to your heart, you will be okay when things aren't okay. You'll have a peace that transcends. And so we're in part four of this series, Seeing and Believing, and we've been following this awesome journey with John through the book of the Gospel of John, and it's John's journey with Jesus and early on in this series we talked about something that John said at the end of his book and and what we've been talking about is John he he dictates this to a scribe who writes these things down in, in Greek and and now it's been translated for us to English and and when he did this at the end of his document he gives us his thesis statement he gives us he says this is the reason that I wrote this and I'll put it up on the screen for you this is morning John tells us that he did not follow Jesus because of faith John he followed Jesus because of what he saw and because of what he heard in fact he he what he saw and and what he heard actually convinced him that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the son of God. What he saw, what he literally saw, I mean, it blows my mind that he walked on this earth and that he actually got to see God in human form. But John got to do this, and he says what he saw and because of what he heard, that's why he believed that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah, the son of God. And it wasn't until of what he saw and what he heard that he was convinced that he was who he said he was. It wasn't until that point. Then he put his faith. Then he believed in him. It wasn't he just said, I I guess I'll believe what Jesus says and I hope it all works out. No, we can't confuse faith or belief and hope. Come on, somebody. They're two different things. He says, I saw these things. I was convinced. And what the things that when John starts to dictate his account as an old man and organize his account called the Gospel of John, he, he, he does this around what he calls events. Everybody say Events. They were real-life events that he saw with his own eyes, and it wasn't just him. We have the Synoptic Gospels that give their accounts of the same things that, that happened, but these events, he says, weren't just random acts of kindness. He says these events were actually, and I love this, and we need to start to change our vocabulary in the way that we talk about this. He says these weren't just miracles. They were signs. Everybody say signs. They were signs, and why were they they signs? Because these signs actually became to him evidence, evidence of what? They were evidence of Jesus's identity. So when it was an event, he said it wasn't just an event, it was a sign. It was a sign that became evidence, evidence of what? Evidence of Jesus's identity, evidence that when Jesus is walking on this earth, claiming, I am God, he has signs that prove that he is who he says that he was his identity. The reason Jesus did the miracles, these signs guys, wasn't just because he was showing off. He was proving to the people that were there that would write these things down and document them. And when they wrote them down and documented them, they didn't know that they would be the Bible. They just said, this was so amazing. I got to tell somebody about what I heard and what I saw that it pointed to his identity. And John gives us his account because he wanted future generations to know what he knew, to see what he saw, but not, and this is so important, not simply so we would know what Jesus did. Please hear me this morning. He wants his audience. He wants us readers to know who Jesus is because recognizing who Jesus is will reframe your life like it reframed John's life. And so he tells us, at the very end, he says, let me tell you why I wrote what I wrote. Let me give you my thesis statement. It's in John chapter 20, verse 31. We'll put it up on the screen for you. He says this, these particular things. So at the end of his gospel, at the very end, he says, all these things were written, and the purpose was that you may believe. The reader, whoever reads this, that you will believe, and not just believe, believe that Jesus is is the Messiah. Why? Because John believed that he was Messiah, that he was the son of God, and that by believing, you may have. Have what? Have what? That's the question. That's that's the question that people were asking in the first century. That's the, the question that people have been asking ever since. I, I'm sure at some point and sometime, you have asked yourself, that very question, and maybe because you didn't get the, the answer that you were wanting, you, you became a little disenfranchised, you became frustrated, maybe you even doubted your relationship with God, because this is the question that we start to ask. What do I get out of this? What do I get out of? of this and that's what we're going to talk about today as we journey with john and jesus because today we bump into the fourth sign in the series it's the sign that john built the entire account around and it's one of the most popular you've heard this before it's one of the most famous one of the most well-known stories of all of the bible it's the sign of the feeding of the five thousand plus everybody say plus that's important we're going to get back to that In just a minute. Now, if you haven't been with us, let me catch you up just a little bit. The nation of Israel is like this big, oblong nation that runs north and south. And last that we heard about Jesus last week, he was in the south city of Jerusalem. So this oblong nation, he's at the bottom. He's at the south. And he and his disciples began now to journey north about six or seven days to the Sea of Galilee, and they get on a boat and they go to the northernmost shore of the Sea of Galilee. They're about a hundred miles now at this time from Jerusalem. So that's a pretty good haul back in those days when you didn't have a car, the family truckster, right? They they walked a long way, and one of the reasons that we went, that 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 they went, we're about to discover, is that John the Baptist had just recently been murdered. He had recently, John the Baptist had recently been beheaded. And so Jesus and the disciples are mourning. They're they're in a in a place where, man, you know, it, it's a it's a bad thing that they're that they're going through. And so they they try to go to a remote part. They try to get away, just kind of be by themselves. And so we're gonna pick up the story in John chapter six, verse two, and John tells us, and a great crowd. Of people followed him because everybody say because does it say because of their faith was it because of their faith no nobody in the first century followed because just because of their faith they followed him it says because they saw the signs he was performing these miracles and they weren't just miracles they weren't just events. What were they? They were signs. They saw these signs that he was performing, one of, like healing the sick. He was healing people that they knew. Pastor Jared just talked about that, right? These things that are going on, please notice, it was what they saw. Jesus didn't just walk up to these people and said, hey, come follow me. A huge group of people, y'all just trust that I'm God. No, 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 no. They believed because they saw. Right. Everybody say saw. saw they saw it's because of what they saw. And John is here giving us this. It, 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 it's a pattern that you're going to see when you study the entire book of John. You'll see there's a pattern there. It wasn't just because of faith. John tells us this is how it happened to me. It was because of what I saw. It was because of what I heard. And he shows us here again. So imagine this. Jesus's disciples have gone out of their way to get out of the way of all the people and in spite of that, the people still find them. They've gone a long way to get out of the way and the people still find them. They're in this region. They, the, these people here he, he's close to us. We got to be close to him. Maybe maybe if we get close to him we can see him do one of his tricks. We can see him work one of his miracles. Maybe if we we're even lucky, he might heal one of us. I don't know. Let's go check it out. So Jesus turns around, and he sees this huge crowd, and they're in the distance. And John tells us, then Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. You ever been in a place that you just needed to sit down? That was Jesus. He was tired. He, he, his heart was broken. John the Baptist had just been murdered. He sets down, man. The Bible, or John tells us that he, he, he sets down. And then he gives us a little detail that is very important. If you have your Bibles, just go ahead and highlight this because it's a detail that's in there for a reason. He says, and oh, by the way, you need to know the Jewish Passover festival was near. Who were the people that celebrated the Passover? It was the Jewish Passover, so it was the Jewish people, right? He wants you to know these are the type of people that are showing up. The Passover was near. This is given to explain the crowd's response later on in the story. You probably know Passover was a Jewish celebration celebrating how God brought the Israelites, the Jewish people, out of all of the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. Y'all remember that? And so every year, this is not something that we celebrate, but Jewish people still celebrate the Passover till this day. Jesus was a Jew. He celebrated the Passover. And so he gives us a little context of what's going on. And in the first century, Passover reminded these people, the Jewish people, that they were once in bondage, but God sent a saviour. God sent a deliverer. God sent a prophet. Y'all remember what his name was? It was Moses. He sent the prophet Moses as Moses comes in, and they celebrate this every year. And how many know at the time when John is telling us that this happened, that the Jewish people now are underneath somebody else's thumb. It's not the Egyptians. Who was it? It was the Romans, right? And they hate that. They hate that because God told them, this is the promised land. This is the land that I gave you. And now it's being occupied in this this place where the Romans are coming in and telling them how they can live and what they can do. And they are sick of this. Of all this. So the story continues, and John tells us that when Jesus looked up and he saw a great cl- uh, crowd coming toward him. So so get the picture. Jesus is tired. He's brokenhearted. He's sitting down. He, he looks, and out of nowhere, he had to be thinking, Really? Really? I was trying to go on a little vacay. I was trying to get some time to myself. So that I could just get, I mean, he's fully God, but he's fully man. And he knows that His he's like, I mean, for real, right now, these people are coming, the crowds are coming, and it's not just a hundred. And it's not just a thousand. It's thousands upon thousands of people. And here's the thing. Jesus knew, Jesus perceived why they were coming. They were actually kind of like, like us sometimes in our relationship with God, they were coming because they wanted something. You see, they were more enamored with the signs of Jesus that he was performing rather than whom these signs were pointed to. They were all enamored with the signs. They were enamored with the miracles, and they wanted another one. What can you do for me, Jesus? I need you to do something else for me. Perform another trick. They wanted another event that they could go home and they could talk about and share with all their friends and family. And they lost sight of the fact that that the signs were pointed to something that was more than just what can you do for me, amen? Then Jesus turns and he surprises one of his disciples. So think about this. We said that there was over, there was 5,000 men, he says, that was recorded there. That's a lot of people. They're all coming up. Jesus is sitting down. He's looking, and then Jesus looks to Philip, and he says this. And In uh, verse 5, he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And if you've ever used to listen to records, and you put the needle on the record, and then somebody hit it, and it went, it scratched, at that moment, Philip's like, time out, time out. What, what did you just say, Jesus? Where shall we buy bread to feed over 5,000 people? Like, I, 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 listen, me reading this, I'm, I'm sure that he thought, because up until this point, he's like, we've never fed anybody. We're not a soup kitchen. We, that's not what we do. I mean, we, we turn the water into wine. I mean, we're healing people. We heal people. That's what we do, Jesus. We don't feed people. And so, you obviously, Jesus is joking because there's probably over 20,000 people here. And so he's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, where can I get food? Where can I get all the food to feed these people? Jesus, that's a good one. Let, let me ask you this. Did you, have you ever stopped to think, we're, we've put Jesus on this, this pedestal that he's holier than thou, that he's this perfect, don't you think that he had some type of humor to him? Don't you think he had fun? I mean, I remember there was this guy, this friend of mine, he went to a play one time where they were depicting Jesus and, and, and his disciples, and there was one moment where Jesus and disciples, you know, it's just, he's a guy's guy, and he's with his boys, and they're walking and they're tired. And and one of uh, like Philip says, Hey, hey, I see, I see a water hole over there. We're we're tired, let's go swimming. And and Jesus is like, Okay. And so they all run like guys would, and they're rough housing, they're pushing. And then it, it depicts uh, Peter, he goes down and he picks up some mud on the bottom of the lake and he rears back to throw it at Philip and he throws it, but Philip he he ducks and it hits Jesus right in the face a big old mud, mud pie hits him right in the face. And they're all like, oh, you just hit God in the face with the mud pie. <laughs> and you're watching this. It's just genius. You're watching this, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And Jesus slowly reaches down, picks up a mud pie and throws it back. And they get into a big mud pie fight. Have you ever thought of something that that's, that Jesus had a sense of humor, that he joked with them, that they had they kind of roughhoused a little bit, that, that I'm telling you, it, it, we I do, okay? And so I think that Philip here is thinking, dude, you're crazy. There is no and, and, and listen, he asked Philip this question because Philip is from this, this region. So he's like, Hey man, you know where the restaurants are. Where where you think we can go get some food to feed all these people? And and Philip is like I don't, because let's just go on. Jesus then gives them a little background in verse six. He says, he the uh, John tells us that Jesus asked this to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And in verse seven, so Jesus wasn't looking for answer. Verse seven, it says that Philip answered him and said, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread. Listen to what he says. For each one of these people, for over 20,000 people to just have one bite. So, so he's kind of going along with the joke, like, ha, 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 yeah, that's funny, man. Like, you think I know the restaurants, but here, the answer to your question, Jesus, is, is nowhere. There's nowhere to get that much food. ha, <laughs> ha, so you're always, you know, you throw the mud pie, throw the mud pie. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're funny, I'm funny. And then all of a sudden, as you're looking at this, Andrew speaks up in verse 8. And it says uh, John tells us that another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he says, "Hey, <laughs> here's here's a boy with five barley loaves, right? This is the the food that the poor people ate." And then he's like, <laughs> "I'm in on this joke too, yeah." He's got five barley loaves and two small fishes, and and how is this going to go so far among so many? And it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, we're going to feed all these people, Jesus. Hey, and, and here's a kid and we're going to feed him with this. Ha ha. And all the disciples are like, yeah, that's hilarious. Andrew, you're so funny. But Jesus wasn't joking. You find out that Jesus was not joking. In verse 10, John tells us that Jesus says, well, have the people sit down. And it's like, what? I mean, if we had, even if we're going to feed the people, you don't, people don't sit down. They line up. They line up. And he's telling well, have them sit down. It says there was plenty, John tells us there's plenty of grass in that place and they sit down. And then he gives us another detail because of what's about to happen. He says this, and there were about 5,000 men there. Everybody say 5,000. Um,. I've heard it taught before, you know, that back in those days, they didn't, you know, women didn't really matter, so that's why they didn't count them, and hey, you know, you can go with that, but I I really think there's something going on here in this story that's more than meets the eye, because specifically 5,000 men was equivalent to a Roman legion. That's how they measured a legion. It was 5,000 men. So, what, what the writer is doing here, what John is doing, is he is giving us a little clue here. He's letting us know that there, and you'll find out why in just a second what, by what Jesus says, but there, these people are thinking, listen, there are 5,000 men. This is like a Roman legion. This is a lot of Jewish people here and remember these Jewish people have been under the thumb of Rome and they've been praying for a Messiah that will come and liberate them they're praying for another Moses they're praying for another deliverer right that's that's the 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 context of everything that that's going on and verse 11 says and then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and at this point the disciples have to really be laughing going man Jesus is taking this joke too, too far, because he takes just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and he's like, we're about to feed over 20,000 people. Let's thank God for this food we're about to feed to them, and they're like, man, because he's like, bow your, bow your heads and close your eyes, and at this point, the disciples, they're not bowing their heads, and they're not closing their eyes. They're going, he's not joking. Jesus has lost his mind. The illustration that I would give to you today, it would be like if I went to the Astros game today and I got out of my seat and I had a microphone and a hot dog and I walked down to the pitcher's mound and I said, hey, Astros fans, y'all having a great day today? And they're like, yeah, woo!" I was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I brought us this hot dog to eat. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes as I thank God for this hot dog that we're all about to get fed from. Nobody would have bowed their heads and nobody would close their eyes. They said, this boy's crazy. He's done lost his mind. Like, you better, you well, hey, hey, pastor, you need to be praying for Oscar Mayer. We need food truck to show up for something because they, 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 we're not gonna all be able to eat that. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's praying over what equates to just a little hot dog to to try to feed 20,000 people. In verse 11, John tells us that Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. Verse 12, then when they all had enough to eat, I'm going to say that again, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Now, you know, there's there's some people that I've heard try to disprove that this was a miracle. They try to say, you know, well, everybody actually did bring their own food. And uh, what happened is when they saw the kid share his food, It all like made them think, oh, I need to share mine. And so everybody started sharing their food that they brought, and then everybody was fed. And and that's a that's a great theory and all. But the thing about it is the people that were actually there say that's not what happened. They said that there was an actual sign. And it's gonna, you're gonna find out in a second that the people began to acknowledge this sign. They began to acknowledge that this is awesome. I don't know when it dawned on them, but all of a sudden, baskets of food is being delivered, and they never saw, the people are eating it, and they're like, wow, man, we never saw a horse and a cart pull up. We never saw where all this food, how, they are looking down at the front, and all they see they just see 12 disciples and Jesus kind of talking, they can't hear what's going on, they, but all of a sudden, they start to realize, wow, wow. there's something going on. I, I don't know how this food got here, but we're all eating and we're all having more than enough. And then one guy speaks up and he's like, hey, 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 hey no, no, y'all remember the reason that we're here is because we heard about this guy and he's healing people. This is another sign. This is another miracle. Remember, this is the guy that turned the water into wine. This is the guy that healed the lame. He healed the, the, the dying man's son. This food is a miracle. This food is a sign. And John tells us in verse 13, so they gathered them and they filled the 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now listen, these are Jewish people that are there. They they get this. This is a, a special sign for them because under Moses, their ancestors, they didn't have food and Moses prayed for food and God provided food. This type of thing has happened for their people. So this is a, a special, special sign. But this time, they, they not, in those days, in Moses' day, they got enough to eat for that day. But with this guy, it's trumping that. It's more than enough, and it's left over. Come on, somebody. They're starting to go, okay, something And if you've been following along with the signs, there is a theme there. God's telling us, what was here, it was fine, it was good, but it was temporary, now something better is coming. So this is all fitting with people that are Jewish, but because we're not Jewish and we didn't live in that day, we may miss some of these things. And so they're asking questions, man, like, who is this guy? What is going on? Who is this guy? Because this miracle, this sign, it's another sign that he is who he claims to be this must be the Messiah. This must be the son of God. Guys, there, this type of conversation is starting to go throughout all of these over 20,000 people. He's, this is the guy. This is the guy that we prayed for. Look at this in verse 14, pay close attention. John tells us after the people saw the sign Jesus performed. So it wasn't just people sharing their food. These people saw the sign that Jesus performed. They're speaking about it. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who came in the world. So because of what they heard and because of what they saw, what happened? They believed, they said, this is him we've been looking for this guy for years and years and years. This is the Messiah. Listen, for a moment, for a very small moment, they shift their focus and the reason that it lasts for a moment is because they're going to get hungry again. But right now, they're full. Okay, They are full and for just a moment, they're able to take their minds off of themselves and off of their lives and off of what they need and off of their own appetites. They're able to take their minds off of themselves and they're able to shift their focus from a sign to a person from a sign to a person the sign was pointing towards the person that now they have to recognize oh I can remember now that Moses spoke long ago that another prophet would come that Daniel spoke that a son of man would come and for just a moment they got it and they went it's him But Jesus knew their recognition and their acknowledgement was temporary. So John tells us in verse 15, Jesus, knowing, if you have this, um, highlight this, please, verse 15. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force. He perceived that they believed. But listen, his way was different than their way. Because they thought when the Messiah came, he's coming, not for the world, but he's coming for us. Just like Moses came for the Israelites. That's what they're thinking. And when he comes, he will deliver us, not from the world, but from Rome. And Jesus perceives this please please pay attention cuz this is so important. This is what all the foreshadowing that John is doing in his document is about. Think about this. They start to look around and go, "Hey, we have a legion of our own here." That's why John tells us there was 5,000 men and they say, "We have the start of an army." We have now the promised Messiah who would deliver us, not from the world, but from Rome. He's here. And Jesus perceived that they were about to go down there and make him their king. And they're thinking in their mind, they're starting to talk amongst each other and saying, listen, if we were up north if we start to go down south on the sea of galilee we'll pick up some momentum and 5000 will turn into 10000 then we'll have two legions and as we continue to walk cuz this is going to take you take have that much people it's going to be more than 6 or 7 days we will gain more and more momentum that 10000 will turn into 20,000, will by the time that we get to Jerusalem to take back what was given to us, because this is a sign that the Messiah is here, we'll have four legions and we'll be able to take Rome out of our territory. This is what they are starting to see. This is our savior. This is Moses 2.0. He is here, guys. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Can you imagine this? And Jesus knew this and as it turns out he would in fact lead his disciples through the gates of Jerusalem during the Passover. But it would be a different Passover at a different time and and when Jesus when Jesus does this, when he leads his disciples through the gates of Jerusalem during a Passover, it was not to be coronated as king but to be crucified. So Jesus knew their heart and he knew their intent and Jesus knew their motive and their motive had very little to do with who he really was. It had everything to do with what can you do for us? And in verse 15, John continues the story and says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. But before he leaves the crowd, before he he dismisses the crowd and he goes to his disciples, he gets his disciples together because, listen, I can tell you, when you study the Gospels, the disciples were thinking the same way, too. When Jesus starts saying, I must die, I must, they're like, no, 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 you are a savior and you will save us from Rome. And so he kind of calms them down and he puts them on a boat and he says, go across the water and I will meet you on the, you guys kind of simmer down. I'm going to get away from these people because they're wanting to start a war. I want nothing to do with this. This is not why I'm here. It's actually not my time yet. And so he, he continues to go on, and he says, listen, I'm going to meet you on the other side. And, 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 and here's the thing. we get to a place in our lives in our relationship with God and 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 maybe you've had this thought before maybe you've had a friend say this before but there's this thought that says you know what i i pretty much gave up on 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 this church thing this faith thing this this god thing because i wasn't getting anything out of it have you ever said that before have you ever heard somebody else say that before, you know, like I used to be really involved in church and committed to church, but I just wasn't getting really anything out of it. Right. I've I, I tell you, I've said that before, you know, like, listen, I used to give, but you know, I wasn't really getting anything out of it. I used to, you know, really go up to the front, man, but I wasn't getting anything. It. And the point that Jesus is about to make is as long as it's about getting something out of it, you still don't understand it. You see, as long as this is about us just getting something out of it, this relationship with God—that you come here to the exchange, and you come here so what you can get out of it. What what have you done for me lately, God? What what can I get out of this? It it just goes back to the story that I started the message with today. You're just that kid running up to the door and saying, "Oh, daddy's home. What did you bring me? What 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 can I have?" And 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 in verse twenty-five. Jesus goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and the crowds find him again there. And they show up, and John tells us in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And it's that type of empty conversation that you have with somebody before you tell them what you really want. And that's what they're having. They have this spokesperson, because remember, you're, if, when you're trying to navigate a relationship with somebody that you want something from, you're never direct, and there's always an agenda. And so they're, they're kind of, you know, sweet-talking. They're doing the dance, right, with Jesus. And then verse 26, Jesus, he answers the question, the heart. He says, Verily, truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs anymore. At one point, it was that, but not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. He says, You're here for food. You missed the point of the signs. You're, you missed what the sign was pointing to. You thought the sign was the, the point. You thought the miracle was the point. And then he leans in that crowd. And I think it would be safe today to say that he leans into all of us. And he says, look, and this is his words. That he says, he says, come on, do not work for. In other words, do not live for. Do not work for. Don't give your entire life to, guys. Don't waste hours of the day and waste your life. Don't think about all the time. Don't simply work for. He says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He's saying, come on, guys. Don't you realize what I'm offering Don't you realize what all this is pointing to? And he's like, this is about me and about my kingdom coming to this earth. Verse 30, so they asked him, what then shall the sign that you will give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They're saying, hey, okay, we're starting to believe again, but man, we want you to do something else for us. Do something else for us. Show us another trick. Show us another trick. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about this next week. And you don't want to miss next week, but this is where a lot of us are living in our lives. You think, you know what? I would believe God if only God would do this and this and this for me. Like, Pastor Jared, I I, I think it would be good to go with God, but I have this idea, and unless he fulfills this idea, then I'm not going to go with him. It's what, what can you do for me? Verse 31 they say, we want you to do, what's another trick? Oh, hey, this just popped into our minds. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus is thinking, good grief. Are we back to lunch again? Y'all, uh, y'all missed the point. You, this is about food? Speaking of lunch, years ago I was in a, in a place in my life 26 years old i was a young pastor and i was in a in a in a difficult place in my journey and i called my best friend pastor jared i said i'm on an island out here i'm i'm preaching at this small country church and i know that if i don't have some type of leadership if i'm not connected to somebody i'm not going to be able to make it and pastor jared said dude i'm so glad that you called because." God's already been speaking to me about this, and I know a God that I need to put you in contact with. I was like, wow, okay. He said, his name is Jamie Englehart, and I'm going to send him to you. So Jamie Englehart came, and I met him for the first time. He preached at our church, and it was awesome. And he was amazing. In fact, as I began to sit down with him at lunch and over the days that we spent together, I saw this is who I want to be in the future. This is a man of great wisdom and great grace and great leadership. This is a man of God, of insight. And not only that, this is a man who would care for my soul. And as we're talking at lunch, he gets to a point where he pops a question. He says, Kevin, is there anything that I can do for you? And I thought, seriously? This is too good to be true. There's no reason... Somebody uh with this much impact on the earth and and as amazing as he is, there's no reason he should be right here sitting in front of me in Roaring Springs, Texas. I was I was at a place where I was just thankful that I was with him. I I, I couldn't believe that that he was there, and this is what I told him. I said, Jamie, I, I'm not looking for you to give me something. I just want relationships. I just want to relate to you, man. See, I was honored to meet him, that he would come to my little town. It just blew me away. And to ask him for something in that moment would have just been weird. It would have messed up the whole relationship. I think it was a test. Like, what do you really want? Do you just want to be in this so you can get something out of me, Kevin? And I said, no, I just want I just want a relationship, man. And I'll give you guys a, just a little advice, just a little tip today. Do you know what you need to ask when you meet important people, what you need to ask for them? It's not for stuff. It's just for questions, for wisdom. You get an opportunity to glean and learn. You don't ask for stuff. You think in that moment, what a moment this is. What an honor it is to be with this person. And what I'm about to say is so important. These men and women are standing on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm about to close, guys. They're standing in front of the Son of God, the Messiah. They are standing in front of the light of the world, God in a body. And all they can think about is their appetite. Show us another trick. We need some more fish and chips. They can't see past their stomachs. In fact, when you read the rest of John chapter 6, some of you know the story. But on that particular day, John was there and he tells us that at that moment, many people decided to unfollow. Well, he's not going to do what we want. I'm out. Once they realized there was nothing more for the, in it for them, they walked away. They'd gotten everything that they had come for. And maybe, maybe because of circumstances that they had an excuse. But listen, you and I, on the other side of the resurrection, we do not have an excuse. So what I ask you today, what I ask myself today is this. Are we in this just for the food? Do we come to church today just for what he can do for us? Or is this so much? more than this are you in this christian thing for what you can get out of this what you can get out of him if so you have not come to grips with whom you are dealing with you have not yet recognized with whom you are dealing you and i are standing in the presence of the light of the world the son of god today trying to figure out how we can get these silly temporary things and jesus says come on man Don't spend your whole life working for those things. Don't spend your whole life just thinking about those things. We have been invited to follow him, guys. And this is no small thing to which we have been invited. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I mean, think about this, guys. If every Christian in the United States just for two weeks would stop asking God for stuff, and just simply start loving the people around them, the impact would be felt. If we got out of our small-minded thinking and just got to a place where we stopped asking God for stuff, and if you can do this for me, and if you can do that for me, and I just want to be fed what is in this for me, if we would just stop doing that for two weeks, Get a clue and just start forgiving people. Just start loving people. See, the question that Jesus was trying to get to his audience to focus on is this. Who do you believe that I am? And they saw him as nothing more at the end of this than just a magic rabbi. And then they lost interest after the show. But there was a group of men who didn't. There was a group of men who saw the sign. And it became evidence that he was who he says that he was. And they said, it's not about what you can do for me. Because you've already done everything. At this point, they don't even realize that he's going to go to the cross yet. They don't understand all of that completely. All they know is that God came to the earth. And that's all that they needed. That's all that they needed to believe in that so that now they could go turn the world upside down. So in close, I just ask you this. Why are you here? What is your relationship with God about? this morning. You, you can't be in a relationship, in a real relationship, if you're always looking to get something out of it. To get an authentic relationship, it's time to just, am I saying we can't pray for things? Am I saying that we're at church? We don't pray for anything anymore. No, we're just selfish all the time. That's not what I'm saying. You're missing the point. The point is this morning is just to say, God, John 20, verse 31, he told us, I wrote these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this morning, I say this, church. Let's not be consumers. Let's be followers. Let's not simply be consumers. Let's leave his mark on This earth. And what does it look like? It's very simple. What Jesus prayed. Remember what Jesus prayed? Not my will be done. But your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. It's pretty simple. And so this morning, Father, we just just say that we love you and i know that this morning by the sharing of your word that our hearts are in a place father where, where we have been encouraged we've been in a place where we're not coming to you and saying i just believe we're seeing the signs the signs that point that become evidence, that evidence of what? Evidence of your identity. And when you see, when we see you how you truly are, Lord God, our hearts, it moves from our heads to our hearts, Lord God. And I thank you this morning that as this service has been going on, as your word has been going out, people, their hearts are changing, their minds are changing. And there's some things that we're laying down this morning. It doesn't have to be a big come to the altar. It didn't have to be this big, whole production, Lord God. All it is is just a change of heart. And we leave this place, Father, establishing your kingdom on this earth. Not consumers, but followers. And Father, we believe that a generation of followers will change the world again. And we ask that this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, we just want to say that we love you, we bless you. Please go back and just continue to listen to all of these, these, uh, these sermons. Continue to allow it to just, I would encourage you to, to listen to them and then call somebody from church he be like, hey, man, what do you think about this? You know, when Pastor Kevin said this, hey, I, you know, that really challenged me. Or, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe he missed it a little bit. Maybe, and then call me. And then we have a, a dialogue, and we open up dialogue to be able to talk about this so we they all can, can continue to grow together and go beyond belief this year. Amen?
1: Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, Amen. Come on. I have a couple things I want to uh, share with you, and, and uh, before we leave today, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago about the same thing, and uh, I made the comment, I said, you know, the problem is, a lot of times, as Christians, we start and end our prayers with, God, please, and can I, and, you know, will you, will you, and, you know, and, and this, a friend of mine said, yeah, but what else are we supposed to pray you know, I mean, that's our relationship is he's God. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He equipped you with this. It's called this dunamis power. And a lot of what we pray for, he equipped you to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm just saying we have to we like need God. God, And God's going, that, I gave you that, you know, I'll, I'll help you. Sure, because I love you. But it's like, you know, with your own children, you're like, you keep asking me the same thing. I've already equipped you with this. You don't have to keep asking me, but as a loving father, he appeases us sometimes. Amen. But so when you go home today, you recognize that it's not just about can I, can I. He's already given you the world. The world. Amen.